Welcome back to our podcast, Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your co-host, Raya. And host, Jocelyn. This is so backwards. (laughs) It really is, but I mean, it works. So I wanted to do an episode for you all. We are switching it up in this bitch. Yep. So we've talked in our podcast before about how the U.S. has made quite a bit of mistakes. That's like basically our specialty. Yeah, that's kind of like our entire thing, and it's pretty sad that we have so many topics to discuss. The USA is a struggle. Yeah, and I mean, we do talk about other countries, but I feel like it's just, it really hits home here. It definitely does. So today we are going to be looking into how we used to treat our people that were in asylums. It's quite shocking, honestly. Okay, so like I'm the worst and I didn't actually read any of this before today, but I'm really excited about the topic because this always intrigues me. Yeah, and I I knew a little bit about all of this, but like diving really into it, it is really shocking. So disclaimer, this episode will be super fucked up, like talking about different methods and shit, so brace for impact. I'm fully braced, but I just want to make it known that I am here for fucky episodes, so let's do this. Alright, let's get started. So first, I want to talk about who could be admitted to asylums. Now, I'm talking about like the first asylums right now, so like the 17, 1800s. It's a huge long list, so I'm not going to read it all, but basically you could be admitted for literally anything that they didn't agree with. These things included laziness, politics, having just an illness like smallpox or a cold, and even being a woman. Yeah, dude, if I was a woman during this time... Hold up, that didn't make any sense. Um, If I existed (laughs) during that time... I would be dead so quick because I would just like piss my husband off and get sent to an asylum or something like I cannot make my mouth close. Yeah and honestly probably I would also be sent there with you because I'm lazy. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah we'd be asylum buddies it would have been great. Yeah it's it's fine so (laughs) as always you can check on our list and our other resources on our website. I'd like to also mention this list was about a particular asylum called Lunatics, so unsure really if it is for all of them, but I digress. What a perfect name for asylums at that time. You're straight up just going to call your asylum Lunatic? Like, come on. (laughs) But later in this episode, the names get much worse, so... Oh, good. I'm really excited for this. Go on. Alright, so... It's important to note that as I was studying this stuff, it did seem like the longer time went on, the less these, like, absurd lists were used. Maybe more like people stopped snitching on any little thing your neighbor did, or maybe they just ran out of room and needed to focus on actually mentally ill people. Right, I mean, that's good at least. And obviously laws came into place too, Um, like rights for mental hospitals and patients became tighter as time went on, but it did take far longer than it should have. Yeah, definitely, and we still have a long way to go, so that is a good point. 
Anyway, so we are starting in the late 1700s. My question for this exact episode is, how would they treat people with supposed mental illness? Yeah, and obviously we have to keep in mind a good majority of these people didn't have actual mental health issues. It was just stupid stuff they thought they could literally imprison you over, like women being hysteric. Yeah, and I mean, there are even small articles I found that suggest people you knew could literally just make up shit and get you thrown into asylums. Like, this person is like, hey, my wife is lazy, and they just, like, take you away. Yeah, dude, it's super fucky that you'll see that in, like, you know, horror movies of that time frame, and it 100% was a real thing. Like, all you had to do was be like a little lazy or whatever your husband wanted to say that day and you could go to an asylum yeah it was definitely real and it must have been really scary but um i mean considering i can't ever shut the fuck up about my own mental health it's basically like my whole personality so i definitely wouldn't be able to uh be alive back then yeah being diagnosed with something like that is really interesting because later on you're just like is my entire personality just trauma and mental illness i just thought i was quirky (laughs) yeah honestly (laughs) like as soon as you were diagnosed with adhd i kind of saw that too but like it kind of feels really good to get diagnosed because you're like wow what the fuck's wrong with me and then you get diagnosed and you're like oh that makes a lot of sense Yeah, it literally explains, like, your entire life. Yeah, it really does. Um, I also want to stress that being a woman back then, like we just talked about, was especially terrifying. I mean, anything that was considered backtalk could land you in the asylum, like, just for being a woman. Also, this list wholeheartedly doesn't make any sense. One of the things is young lady and fear, like, together, not separate. And I can't for the life of me find out what that could possibly mean. I literally don't know how to decipher that. Are you young and you just have like a phobia? Like can we not have phobias at this time? I mean I guess that would like literally make the most sense but that just seems too like logical I guess. And like can, can a man have a phobia and not be men young in asylum? fear (laughs) honestly that wasn't even on the list so I really really think that women were just like treated so differently just because you know being a woman you're always hysterical and all that other crap that they used to say I sneezed all right so my bad are you done sneezing maybe I don't know I couldn't I tried so hard not to and it just happened I, I should go to the asylum for that right um, well, a cold you could get into the asylum for, so... What? Alright, take me away. Yeah. But, like... I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, these lists, though, like, seem to be at the discretion of whoever was there that day. Like, it's just so open for interpretation. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. Ha ha ha. Didn't even plan that. You're the worst. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so back to when the first asylums opened up in 1752. We are going all the way back. All the way. So it's important to note what happened before asylums became a thing. If you were deemed mentally ill, you typically were put into a jail or an almshouse. All right. 
I know you put, for those of us who don't know, what's an almshouse, but I don't know what that is, so please tell me. So it's basically houses that were built by charities or organizations for poor people to live in. So they were just, like, given, like, a house and, like, no treatment? Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, like, not all of the, you know, almshouses had, like, mentally ill people. It was just, like, poor people who couldn't afford, like, treatment or, like, I don't know, like, you see our low-income housing like we have now. Um, that's basically what it was, but it was, like, so much more dirty. So, basically... And, like, granted, a lot of these people probably didn't actually have mental illness, but if they did, they basically were like, here's this mentally ill person who needs treatment, and they're just going to live with these low-income people, and they have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they'd they'd make these people go into almshouses or jails, but here is a kicker. Uh Uh-oh. Back then, mental illnesses was considered, like, a failure. Like, if you were mentally ill, you essentially failed at being a person. So, not only would you basically be in trouble, your whole family would be, too. Hold up. They punished, like, the whole family? Did they, like, did they just, like, kick the family out of their, like, living space and put them in these, like, sketchy houses? I mean, not usually, but they would, like, punish them, they'd shame them, they would, like, avoid you, not want to be near you, like, and back then, like, now we're, like, oh, we're loners, we don't care about that kind of stuff, but, like, they'd go to their churches, and, like, they couldn't even get into their churches because nobody wanted to be around them. Okay, so basically, like, everybody was a Jehovah Witness at this time. Yeah, basically. Not to throw shade, but I used to be one, so I can a little. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean... (laughs) Okay, so back to the good old 1752. The first mental asylum was created called the Quakers in Philadelphia. Are you quaking in your boots? Okay, sorry. (laughs) I read that as quackers before you said it. (laughs) I freaking died. (laughs) Okay, so you obviously have to think, like, everyone is being punished, everyone is being shamed, so there is a definite need to regulate and make a space for mentally ill people, right? Right, I mean, you would assume that if they're just shoving these people into jails, and, like, I'm assuming it's a lot of people, because you can just be like, yo, I hate this person, crazy, go to an asylum, or, I guess, jail. Um, So it's gotta be, like, overpacked and stuff, like, we need to start talking about reform. Yes. So you would think that, you know, we would talk about reform. So we are going to skip around a lot because this isn't necessarily a history lesson. I'm trying to talk about how they treated mentally ill people. So try and stay with me. I'll fucking try, but like, I don't know what our listeners were expecting. I'm literally like the ADHD host. I know it is. It is really hard to get like all the information and stuff into like just one session. It's tough. It is. Alright, so they would open up different facilities for different patients back then. So they opened up one facility strictly for patients that they thought they could cure, and then one where they just thought that the patients were incurable. Okay, can you just like imagine being treated by the one that's like, oh, we can't cure you, 
Like, they're not going to care. They're not going to take care of you. Like, you're basically a waste of space that they can't do anything with in their minds. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, obviously your mental health isn't going to get better if you just think, like, you're not going to get better. These people felt helpless. Yeah. Um, and as I read more into it, and you can find the history of psychiatric hospitals on the links that I'm going to post, but each hospital they opened up, they would kind of get better and better at, like, how they would treat the patients. Like, literally, the name of one of the hospital was the Asylum for the Relief of persons deprived of the use of their reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, that's like a tongue twister. Um, it is still around today, and it has been changed to Friends Hospital. Uh, okay. So, they used the entire fucking alphabet for the first name, and then they just changed it to Friends Hospital. <laughs> seems, seems legit. Seems fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they were just trying to make it, like... I mean, surrounding all of this mental health stuff, like, it has a bad rep. They weren't going to get anybody in that the hospital if it seemed, like, uninviting. So I guess Friends Hospital seemed, like, the way to go. Okay, but listen. Don't call it Friends Hospital unless I can pack up my friends and take them with me to the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if all your friends are mentally insane, maybe. You have a point. All, and you know what? All I'd have to do at this time is be like, yeah, they're crazy. And they take them with me. Honestly, yeah. That's how That's it dark. Mm-hmm. Back on track. So, a journalist, Nellie Bly, actually went undercover in 1887 to see just what they would do back then to their patients. Nah. Mm-mm. That ain't it. Like... The chances of her getting out would be so slim. But also, can we talk about how easy it would be to go undercover? Like, you could go for anything. Mm -hmm. Come on in. Our door is open. Yep, absolutely. And she was really brave because, like, like you said, like, there's a really slim chance that she would make it out. Um, so this was the Blackwell Island Insane Asylum in New York where she went. So Bly was actually committed with barely any examination, and what she found out from patients was absolutely tragic. And this is what she found out, okay, at one asylum. I can't speak for, like, all of them, and it'd be, like, a five-hour-long podcast if I tried. So let's just keep it to, like, one or two asylums. Yeah, it's super important to note that we can't cover literally everything, but we try really hard to. Yeah, so, like, um... You know, if it varies at asylums, I'm sorry. I'm trying here, okay? So, if the patients cried, which I fucking would be being in a place like that, they were beat with a broom handle and jumped on. And I'll be quoting the next part of what a patient said to Bly. Then they tied my hands and feet and throwing a sheet over my head, twisted it tightly around my throat so I could not scream and thus put me into a bathtub filled with cold water. They held me under until I gave up every hope and became senseless. I'm sorry, did I just, like, witness a murder? Yeah, basically, they tortured these people. Yeah, I don't even know how to react to that. Like, I knew it was bad, but... Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> don't you? Oh, good. Don't you worry. It always um, does. And honestly, this treatment, it just made patients worse, obviously. 
Um, and now hydrotherapy was a popular technique, which is basically shocking the system with hot or cold water in hopes it would change your body for health reasons, essentially. When I think of hydrotherapy, I think of like putting a disabled person into water and letting them swim so they like strengthen themselves. But over here, we're just like throwing people in extreme temperatures. Yeah, and like there's this form of hydrotherapy where like if you're having a panic attack, and I've done these before, you will like stick your head in the cold water and it'll really, really help you. Um, so, I mean, that's like not extreme at all and that actually helps. But, you know, submerging yourself in cold water for hours probably won't help. I feel like I've seen that in like a horror movie or something where like the person just shoves their head in some cold water in like really inconvenient times mm -hmm. and now I can't recall what it's from so I don't know where I'm going with this but <laughs> I was like yeah I mean that kind of sounds like every horror movie but true though true anyway so yeah so panic attack cold water therapy cool but these people were submerged in cold baths for hours, sprayed with cold water in showers, and even wrapped into packs of, like, cold compresses so they couldn't move at all. They were, like, mummified. Okay. Yeah, I have anxiety thinking about that. I don't think it's going to cure anybody. Yeah, and, like, you can imagine, like, one cold compress if you, like, hurt your shin, but, like, imagine it all over you constantly. Like, that's... <laughs> I like how you mentioned shin because you know I have shin issues. That's the only thing I could think of that you hurt yourself like, constantly. Yeah, this bitch can relate to the shins, man. And you can. Um, so these were just a few things they would do physically. So let's talk about the mental and physical torture next. Oh, good. So a lot of the times back then, a main theory was that demons possessed mentally ill people. One of the first people to abandon this theory is Benjamin Rush, known as the father of American psychiatry. I really don't like that he's considered the father, but go on. So we are definitely not Benjamin Rush in this bitch. Like, we have daddy issues over here. <laughs> exactly. Like, no. No, thank you. So he still used inhumane treatments for his patients. Instead of demons, he thought his patients' fluids were just unbalanced. Yeah, I don't know why we were considering demons in the first place. I want to put that, like, just right on the, you know, <laughs> right out there. We, we probably should have came up with a real reason. But, you know, that's just me. I like science. And I'm not a doctor, so... <laughs> I'm also not a doctor. But, um... <laughs> With these fluid imbalances, he would bleed his patients, make them vomit, purge, and blister them to try and change their fluids. Okay, well, like, that's disgusting, but okay, at least there's a little bit of science in there, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he is a doctor, I guess. Right, I mean, he's more qualified than us. Mm -hmm. Who are we to say? <laughs> yeah, so another notable mention is Henry Cotton. Now, by this Ugh. time, we are in the mid-1900s by now, so keep that in mind. So, I'm just letting everybody know that I'm one of those weirdos who can't hear the word cotton without my teeth hurting, so this is going to be a wild motherfucking ride. <laughs> Ugh. I know you guys are out there. I know there's other I only people. Say it, 
I heard you go, uh, I was like, oh, she's heard of him before? <laughs> no, just don't like the word. Okay. But, anyways, um, mid-1900s is literally not even 100 years ago, so that's kind of fucking me up. Yeah, everyone says, oh, it's in the, the past, but not really. It basically just happened. <laughs> so Henry Cotton thought that mental illness was from infection. He focused most of his practice on pulling rotting teeth, removing tonsils, and this gets worse and more gross, so brace yourself. When these methods didn't work, for obvious fucking reasons, he started removing parts of the stomach, small intestines, appendixes, gallbladders, thyroid glands, and parts of the colon, really any place there may be an infection. I, like, low-key am a little upset that I wasn't around at this time because it sounds like it's really fucking easy to be a doctor if these are like the treatments like the bar is on the floor mm-hmm yeah <laughs> sometimes i'm <laughs> like, like what how did these people get their degrees <laughs> yeah i need to know how this happened and obviously people didn't it didn't get better for a while with these treatments like one guy thought that fever inducing was the cure so he would inject schizophrenia patients with malaria-infected blood. That seems like it should work. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That, yeah. Um, yep. And here's the other kicker. This guy that came up with this method won a fucking Nobel Prize. No, the fuck he did not. Dude, I seriously, I, I should have been a doctor back then. I would have been, like, really good at it. Yeah, he was he was literally killing people and he was rewarded. Fifteen oh percent of the patients that were injected with malaria died for obvious reasons. Yeah, I you know, I'm still not a doctor, but I can tell you that's not what those patients needed. Yeah, and I'm not a doctor either, obviously, but we should have been if it was that easy. <laughs> no shit. But, I mean, there's so much to this, and literally this episode is getting pretty long already, so I can't say much else. But aside from the already well-known, like, shock therapy and lobotomies, the only thing that actually made sense when modern-day medicine came into play in 1955. Yeah, honestly, that seems to be the turning point. I hope in this story. It actually is. Now, drugs were used as far back as the 1800s, but the first effective drug was in 1955. At the start of this, there were over 500,000 people in these institutions, and by the end of the new drug era in 1994, it had gone to only 70,000. So, I'm hearing that drugs are, like, the answer to everything, but... <laughs> In this time frame, I'm questioning if it was the good old cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. Seventy thousand dollars or seventy thousand dollars, five hundred. <laughs> only one million dollars. Okay, five hundred thousand people. Why do we keep <laughs> I'm dying? To say I'm literally dying. <laughs> five hundred thousand people down to seventy thousand. Like I don't know if cocaine is what helped them back then go for it you know freud loved the stuff and who are we to argue yeah um anyway so yeah drugs seem to be the answer for a lot of people obviously but we do have to remember that we still have a long ass way to go 
Like, to put it frank, um, I've been an institution when I was a teen, and that's why I'm doing this episode, because I feel so strongly about it. Now, being a teen in one of these institutions, I've seen some inhumane treatment that now I know doesn't help situations at all. So I can only imagine what it'd be like for adults, especially back then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really awesome that you took the time to do this episode and host today and for enlightening us a little bit more about our fucked up system. And yeah, I do have to agree. Ooh, I do have to agree. Um, you know, mental health care isn't very obtainable, especially in the U.S. You know, right now it costs... It can cost you thousands of dollars to get a diagnosis, and it was actually literally cheaper for me to go to a clinic that didn't accept insurance. It was cheaper to do that. So I can say firsthand that it's not accessible, and you really do need to add therapy into medication for most mental illnesses. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another thing is our generations that are coming now and after us, they are taking mental health way more serious. They are, you know, getting help when they think they should. Like, I can tell, like, the older generations, it's, it's something you don't talk about, you know. But if you need help, you know, don't don't be afraid to say it. Yeah, absolutely. That is one good thing. I mean... There are a lot of good things about the new generation. I'm not going to be that person, but it's especially nice to see that mental health is being less stigmatized and people are more comfortable accepting it and talking about it. So hopefully the future of mental health continues to improve. Yeah. Anyway, so don't die out there. Yeah. uh, Don't die. And thanks for being our reason to live. Keep your appendix. (laughs) Bye.